Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at Total Wealth Academy for the Wednesday 1 p.m. radio show. As promised from last time, we're going to continue to go over my critique and my analysis of the Tony Robbins event, Unleash the Power Weekend, which I did at the very first weekend of November, which if you heard it last week, you already know how I feel about this event. So I will say it for everybody that's just tuning in. This event is something that you have to take at least once in your life, in my opinion. And I think it's just so important because it's going to just be a proactive exercise in getting your brain in line with your goals. And I, I want to kind of address some of those concerns that a lot of people have about this event because a lot of people that come out of it seem downright nuts. And that makes a whole lot of sense because the people that are the craziest are often the people that are the most successful. And of course, a lot of times these successful people have been assessed as crazy. They've been assessed as bonkers or they've been told that they have no idea what they're doing and have been dismissed utterly by every other person. I've not just going to go out and say that this automatically means that every single person who attends this event is going to get to that extreme point, but I think because we already have that potential anyhow going to this event or not, it's there. And when you do this event, because you're going to take what may be, for some people, the only really concrete activity towards establishing what your goals are, it's going to make a world of difference. Now, let me, I've gotten a little bit ahead of myself. Let's start off with the Einstein quote, as always, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. And everybody going to the Tony Robbins event is there for change. They're not there to just do the same thing over and over again. They're not there to just get the same exact results they have. They want even better results. They want an even better relationship with their significant other. They want an even more effective business, more wealth better relationship with their kids, more ability to donate and help and serve other people. Something compels somebody to go there. We're always growing. We're always changing no matter what. And the truly intelligent folks are the ones that are going to be able to leverage the natural changes that happen and the changes that are just happening no matter what you do. But importantly, it's about changing the patterns that are not serving you. So if you have a specific conception of what life is supposed to be, you've taken actions, no matter what that view is, that have gotten a set of results. For most of us, that set of results is not anywhere near our view. It's a set of results that's based on certain patterns certain habits, if you will. But we're going to call them patterns here because that's what was highlighted on this first day. And throughout this radio show, until I really go back and forth through this workbook that we went through, and I'm, I'm able to really critique and 
give my opinion about what was going on in each and every day, every moment, every hour. And these days were literally 16-hour days, with, without exaggeration. I mean, the first day, the day that we do the fire walk, that's the day where we get there at like 8, starts at 9. And we were there until past 1 o'clock. So that was a full 16-hour day. And that was effectively every day. It's, it's a lot. It is a very, very intensive process, and it's necessary to be intensive because you've got to defeat all of your BS that's been concreted into your brain, that's been solidified and coagulating inside your thinking brain. So, of course, you're going to have to hit that blockage pretty dang hard to dislodge it out of there. So, yeah... You have to come ready to play at this live event. Get ready to jump, get ready to dance, get ready to move your body. It's a ton of fun throughout the entire process. So we're talking about patterns and we're talking about we need to address them. What are the patterns that you are using? And using is too bit of a strong, too much of a strong word at this phase. What are the patterns that you are following that are getting the results that you have? Because everybody is a collection of patterns. You could be the man or woman who always wakes up at 7 a.m. in the morning and eats Eggo waffles and commutes to work and complains on the drive there and gets to work and does a minimum amount of effort at work and complains about work and gossips with coworkers. And surround yourself with the people that are not pushing themselves to build more wealth. And then you go home and you just entertain yourself into a stupor until you go back to unconsciousness. And then you wake up and do it all over again. So that's going to create a certain result collection. A specific collection of results. And I don't think anybody honest with themselves is going to say, when I was four, five, six years old, what I wanted to do was work 40, 50 hours a week for somebody else's business, go to sleep every night to do the exact same thing every single day, and commute for an hour or two hours. Nobody I know of, whenever I was that age, said that that's what they wanted to do. And since adults are just big kids, there's not going to be a whole lot of change there. I think that's one of the fundamental reasons why so many people suffer and so many people are in states of depression to varying degrees. I understand that there's a clinical definition of depression, but I can definitely identify that when people are not living the life that they want, there's going to be certain degrees of, of sadness and disillusionment with life itself that ends up being translated into depression. And I think that's a scary word for a lot of people, but we need to address that head on. We don't want to continue living a pattern that leads to a negative emotional state. So there's really the three pattern approach that they talked about during the first day. This first step is pattern recognition, and I just started to touch on that at the end of last week's radio show. But your first step is to identify the patterns that you're using or you're following right now. 
Again, let me not say use because a lot of us, most of us are not really consciously using the patterns. We're just following them, obeying them, robotically, slavishly, if you will. But once we take a conscious approach and we look at the patterns themselves, we start to be able to recognize them, identify them, and see what they are. And then we start to see what are the different patterns that other people are doing around me. What could be a difference in my life if I use them instead? Once we get back, folks, we will continue down the three-pattern track through the UPW weekend. Stay tuned. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. If you do want to call in, please do not hesitate, 281-558-5738. We are talking about Tony Robbins' event. If you want to talk about that, if you've got another real estate-related question, feel free to call in. I will do my best to help or point you in the right direction. So step one in the patterns is pattern recognition. Can you identify a pattern in your life that is causing you pain? Is there some behavior that you do on a daily or regular enough basis that it consistently causes you pain or it causes pain to somebody else and that causes you pain and you don't want to do this anymore, but you keep saying you don't want to do it. You keep saying you're going to stop, but you keep doing it over and over again. Well, let's just identify a pattern like that. But let's also identify a positive pattern. What is a pattern that you do that makes you happy, that brings you contentment, that allows you to feel closer towards your significant other, your family, your kids, your friends, that helps you feel good about contributing back? We're not about to just say this is all bad or this is all good or anything ridiculous like that because there's a lot of extremes and there's a lot of gray areas in life. But let's identify that these patterns exist. Let's recognize that we have a collection of many patterns. Take a break from being in your body for one second. Imagine yourself stepping outside your body and looking at this a little more objectively and say, what is this guy, gal, whatever doing that's getting this particular result that they don't like or they do want, and why is it doing that? This is the point where you can start to utilize patterns. Because once you've recognized patterns, you know how to use them and leverage them with education and with true effective identification of what the pattern is in the first place. So if somebody's drinking alcohol to excess on a regular basis, that's a pattern recognition that I think most would agree is negative. And it's causing them to have a strained relationship with their significant other. So 
you could use this pattern in a way that could involve either not drinking and switching that addiction to something more constructive, or perhaps by identifying the fact that you have this pattern, you could say, look, I want to cut down on my drinking. I want to make sure that I'm not getting blackout drunk every single day a week, but I'm still going to enjoy a drink or two throughout the week. Something that allows you to still use this pattern, but Use it in a way that doesn't keep causing you pain over and over and over again. And ultimately, we want to create new patterns is the third pattern process. You know, you have to be able to change a pattern completely if ultimately there's no way you can use it effectively at all. Let's say somebody who has a drop of alcohol is going to be drinking till they're blackout no matter what. It's just the dam breaks, the levee breaks, and it's all downhill from there. There's somebody that has to be completely cold turkey when it comes to alcohol. They have to create a completely new pattern that still involves that energy because the energy is going to go somewhere. You're not just going to lose the time that you spent drinking alcohol, it's just going to have to be converted into something else. You have to be able to identify a new pattern and execute the new pattern, and that is going to automatically push you in a different direction in life. Guaranteed. Because the patterns that you have now, that you're repeating now, are going to keep getting you the results that you want. And when you have certainty in life, That's when your survival brain and your whole body wants to keep you on the same track. One of the biggest things that most people crave is certainty. And we'll talk about that in one of these radio shows here pretty soon when they address certainty and why that's such a massive insecurity for folks. But the certainty that what you've done so far hasn't gotten you killed makes your survival brain completely sold on the patterns that you have. And they could be completely junk patterns otherwise. They could be patterns that are taking you away from your goals. But as long as it doesn't get you super, super hurt and certainly doesn't get you killed, your survival brain is going to be an enthusiastic yes voter on continuing this pattern. And that's another thing that you have to break through. And we've talked about this on the radio show multiple times, the difference between thriving and surviving. But there's a whole lot of patterns that come through survival that are going to be very hard to break, even if it doesn't necessarily have to do with survival itself. Survival is stuck in there trying to make sure that you have certainty to stay alive on a daily basis. Now, with these patterns, we've identified a couple of grand scheme patterns about humanity works. And... This is a fun quote because it's been pretty heavily politicized. It's been used on both sides of the aisle and up, down, left, right, this way and that. And it's always said as a validation of this particular group's attitudes against another's. And the saying goes like this. Good times create weak people. Weak people create bad times. Bad times create good, strong people. 
Good, strong people create good times. And then the cycles come full circle, and it does its thing over and over and over again. And when you look at it with the historical lens, you see that when empires have risen, when empires have fallen, this pattern tends to hold true. Roman Empire, for example, that was a very challenging time leading up to the foundation of the Roman Empire, so they had a bunch of good, strong people to create it. The Roman Empire was a period of hundreds of years of good times, and they didn't really have any significant challenges to face any longer, so they became weak. Weak people led to weak empire and weak times because the empire fell, and then you had a whole nother challenging situation for hundreds of years in the Middle Ages. You know, that was a that was a weak time until we had the Renaissance when everybody got their brains back together and started thinking reasonably instead of just let's just kill people who don't believe what we believe in and take their land over and over again ad nauseum. And a lot of people are saying that these days that he, we they generally agreed in there that we're in a bit of a, a, a weak time, that we're in a challenging time. That if we're really heading into this economic downturn, it's going to get even more challenging. And there are a lot of challenges in the economic situation in America these days. We've got some of the highest inflation. We've got incredibly expensive housing. We've got wages that are stagnating. We've got literally the situation where somebody in the 1950s could buy 2.4 houses with the same amount of economic commitment based on their income as someone today. The comparison there is that somebody in 1955 with the same amount, the same percentage of their income on an annual basis could buy 2.4 houses as somebody with the same proportional income today can buy one. So it's, it's much, much, much more challenging for people to get their houses these days. And that, the single-family house is the primary driving factor of middle-class wealth. And if you've been listening to my radio show now, you know that I believe the most dangerous thing a country and an economy can do is to stifle and destroy the middle class. Because then you only have the upper class and then you only have the lower class. And then you're back to square one to a medieval surf system and now we have neo-feudalism. Where you've got the people in the castles and then you've got all the peasants toiling in the fields. And guess what? That's the way a lot of people want it. People that are insecure even with billions of dollars. Tons of influence. Even they're still afraid of losing their power. Even they're still afraid of being in the lower class. It's all based on complete, ridiculous human fear. Nobody gets a pass out of life alive. Everybody dies at the end. And there's always the risk that you could lose it all. And the more you have, the more you have to lose. So with all that being said... Our patterns have 
really consistently stayed with this good times to weak people, weak time to weak times, weak times to strong people, strong people to good times. And this challenge that we see is to recognize the pattern or don't. Because this is a pattern that is very relevant, and it is a pattern that I believe in, and is not a pattern that I espouse for any sort of political party, agenda, or whatever, because I'm not the one that's going to say that the Republicans are the strong ones, or the Democrats aren't, or this, that, and the other. It's just not that simple. It, it really, really isn't. Or at the very least, that's just an oversimplified assessment that does not hold up towards the gray areas of life. But with this pattern, knowing, for example, that we're going into a down market, are you going to embrace this pattern, recognize it, utilize it to your family's advantage, and create a new one? Or are you just gonna follow what everybody else is doing and suffer during the down market? Once we get back, we will continue about some of these patterns and some of these beautiful states that you can approach to take advantage of the patterns that you're newly identifying. Stay tuned. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the halfway point of the TWA Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at TWA. With every show, I talk about the stock market. Try to keep it a little more brief today with our annual, well, a year-to-date stock market returns with three of the major stock indices, and Dow Jones, S&P, NASDAQ. Dow Jones, negative 7.55% since January 1st. That stinks. S&P 500, negative 16.04% since January 1st. And NASDAQ, as usual, our biggest loser, negative 29.23% year to date. And I have to remind everybody, down market turns are not straight lines any more than up market turns are straight lines. And there's never a straight line on the market, really, to begin with. You're going to see ups and downs and little bumps and weird sorts of angles going sharper down or sharper up all the time. Keep in mind that this volatility is something that lends to a stressful environment to the average stock investor. And the average person who has most of their money tied up in quote unquote retirement accounts like the IRA and the 401k. And talk to somebody this morning that calls in and we just talk about their 401k briefly. And it's just never, ever, ever a happy conversation. It just isn't. It's never people calling in to say, wow, I really, really like my 401k. It's making so much. It's making 20 30%. And I want to use some real estate so I can make those rates of return or more. 
And I can understand like the knee-jerk reaction to this comment so far by a lot of people like, well, of course, Trevor, you're not going to hear the positive stories of 401ks and IRAs because you're in real estate and you're teaching people how to do real estate. So who the heck is going to call to brag about their stock portfolio? Well, I challenge anybody to brag about their stock portfolio in, in a downturn situation because these indices, as I just showed you, as we've seen on every single show I've done this year, has been negative. So they're not making money. So they're they're not calling people anywhere to brag about their returns. I mean, if somebody in stocks is making money, it's the same thing as usual. They got lucky because they bought something low and it became high. And you can do your best to watch the Motley Fool or whatever the heck. I mean, I really wanted to use stronger language than that because it really, really grinds my gears about how people have to analyze, quote-unquote, the stock market. But you're not going to get to do anything that could be considered insider trading because then you get arrested and you go to prison, like Martha Stewart. You can't have the greatest idea of what the stock market is going to do, so it's gambling. It really is glorified gambling. It is the most successful gambling racket in world history. It's important because it allows people to trade in companies and build wealth in theory, but mainly to build wealth for the company itself. So let's talk about the fact that most people are going to live their entire life working for somebody else's business. You're going to go in your car in the morning, drive to somebody else's business, in a car made by somebody else's business. And then you're going to work for this business for 40, 50 hours a week, for 40, 50 years. Then you retire and they give you a dang Rolex. Congratulations. And if you are somewhat intelligent about your retirement plan, you've got, I guess, 170000 is the median that people retire on in their total savings. So this is a retirement account like a 401k, an IRA or whatever plus their bank account, plus Social Security. They're going to be retiring on somewhere between $2,000 to $2,500 a month. And if they run out of money, well, you've kind of just got your Social Security at that point, and that's going to be about $1,000 to $1,500 a month. And then beyond that, you know, you're going to be dependent on medical insurance from the government, Medicare, Medicaid, and you've completely become a dependent on the government. That's not a great strategy. But the kicker here is that with these quote-unquote retirement accounts, with you working for somebody else's business to begin with, now your money is still working for somebody else's business. Because you're buying into people's businesses with stocks. This isn't your business. This isn't something that you can adjust or have any influence on whatsoever. It goes into the stock market to build value for Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. <laughs> it's not something that's designed to build you wealth. And... We talked about this during our Sharpen the Saw today with passive investing. You know, what does a bank do with your money in the bank? 
lot of people say putting their money in a savings account is an investment. It's really not. The benefit you get from putting your money in a bank is to protect your money. That's the whole reason the Dutch made them hundreds of years ago. Why they took off because you need to protect your dang money. You can't store a whole bunch of gold and bills in your house because what happens if your house burns down? All gone. What happens if somebody steals it all? They just broke into your house one day when nobody was there and they took it. You have no money and there's no insurance on it. In the U.S. at the very least, every bank account at a reputable bank has got insurance. So if somebody literally hacked your stuff and there was no other way to get the money back and it was able to be proven to be fraudulent, you would get your money. So that's about protection. But a savings account is not an investment. I mean, what is the rate of return on a savings account? A couple fractions of a point. So when you factor in inflation, that's 6 7 8%, you're still losing money value-wise every year. So that's not a rate of return. And that's certainly not a rate of return that's going to be paying your bills because you're losing money. You can't, ma- you can't pay your bills with lost money, can you? If you've got a medical bill for $5,000, do you get to show them that, hey, I lost $5,000 somewhere else, so can we even this out? No. You have to pay $5,000. So what banks are doing with your money in all of your accounts is investing it in passive investments, where they're typically getting 15, 16, 17%. So somewhere between 15 to 20 which is pretty all right because that's still right around double the stock market or more. But our concern here is that that rate of return is being beaten by what most of our investors are getting in real estate because the 20% is what we look at normally IRR when it comes to commercial deals. And many of the deals get closer to 30. There there are deals that push closer to 40 and sometimes, yes, even 50% with radically awesome deals that require much more rehab and are typically in more challenging communities. They're not the triple A properties that are newly built and that they're going to charge $2,000 for one bedroom per month for. So, of course probably identify that there's some more risk. But the thing is, this is investing with correct cash flow that can actually pay your bills with rates of return that can actually provide for your family. And it's not in a volatile situation like the stock market where you just have to watch lying on your back, not able to do anything about the fact that your NASDAQ portfolio is now negative 29.23% since the beginning of this year. Not a pretty picture to be in. So that's a big reason why I do what I do and my dad does what he does and people like us do what we do because there's all of these people with the message that says do stocks, stocks, stocks. So there's going to be people like us that say, well, here's why we disagree and this is why these results are different in this type of real estate. Knock yourself out if you still want to do stocks, but be smart about it and change the pattern 
which right now for most people is to just be passive in the sense that you can't do anything and never will. Lying on your back passive. But true passive investing is something that's going to get you a rate of return that significantly beats inflation, provides wealth for you and your family, and you actually have a say in whether or not you keep your money in the deal most of the time. So it's a little bit of a different situation versus a retirement account, quote unquote retirement account, where like I was talking with a gentleman this morning, do you take the money out or do you put it into a self-directed retirement account? Most situations, it's better to roll it into a self-directed account, some or, or most, so you don't have to just watch it idly go down. And then you don't have a choice much because if you decide to take it out, you're going to get a nice fat bill from the IRS that says pay us all these taxes because you SOB, you totally took money out of this retirement account. And we have to make sure that our buddies at the top of these major companies get their cut and we get our cut too for the federal government because we're keeping an eye on you once you put money into a 401k. I mean, of course, they're keeping an eye on everybody, but they're extra interested in making sure that these retirement accounts are going to be fully stocked with money so the major companies can continue to invest and the stocks can stay strong, but not necessarily you. They are not worried about you as an individual becoming wealthy, just the people that already have it and the biggest companies in the country to keep the whole economy moving. Right. Once we get back, we will wrap up with some more content about UPW with Tony Robbins. Stay tuned, folks. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of today's radio show. I want to start our final segment with a brief moment of remembrance for the attack on Pearl Harbor 81 years ago today. Thank you very much. Now, 81 years ago, Japan attacked us. They raided Pearl Harbor, killed almost 3,000 people, and brought our country into the greatest conflict that this world has ever experienced. And we are in what should be considered a post-World War II world. And I just want to be careful with that statement because I don't believe that we are heading for World War III or anything like that whatsoever, ever. I don't believe that's going to happen. I am a person that believes that we have learned our lesson in that scale at the very least. And we've got a long way to go clearly when we've got people like the current leader of Russia, deciding to invade a country right next to him, the same old crap, the same old BS that's been bringing pain and suffering and misery to fellow human beings for thousands and tens of thousands of years. But I want us to just remember the people that lost their lives that day, 81 years ago, 
And just keep in mind that that was some of the strongest people out there that won that war. I mean, we look back and think of it as just something that just was going to happen no matter what. You know, our country is so strong, our ideas are so well-founded that it was inevitable that we would win. But as anybody who was alive during that time knows that when Hitler was storming across Europe and took over France itself, and the Japanese were storming across East Asia and were almost going to take over all of China, it was not, it did not look good for the world. Those were very, very dark times that required a lot of strength and power to these, from these people to be able to defeat that evil and push our world into the right direction, away from that terrible, terrible direction that would have brought so much more pain and suffering as crazy as that is to comprehend, would have brought so much more pain and suffering, even greater than what World War II had caused this world. So very, very grateful to all of our veterans that, that won the war around the world. I mean, thank you very much. So let's talk about a beautiful state. Beautiful states, our high peak, high energy, they're the high energy peak states. Those are our beautiful states, and suffering are the low-energy states, the states where we think nothing can be done, we believe that we're weak, we're incapable, versus the peak states which believe that I'm capable, I'm strong, I'm loved, I can do this, I've got the ability to do so in my head, and I will figure out what I need to do no matter what. Doesn't mean you have to know everything, because that's impossible, but you can figure it out, or you'll, you'll ask somebody and get the right resource. And there's a big difference here between approaches, because honestly, sometimes people can take anything and turn it into a beautiful thing or a bad thing, right? I mean, sometimes it comes down to simple perception. But the example they brought up was a very interesting part of India called Varanasi, Varanasi, India, where... They have a very different approach to the end of life with their people. When somebody is dying in Varanasi, India, that's the happiest moment in their life. That is the happiest time they've ever experienced. Because in this particular region where they believe in Hinduism, like most areas of India, but they believe that they're going to be back. They're going to transition not only into a new life, but an even better life. So as wonderful as their life had been, as great as their family had been, they're going to be in a state that's somehow even greater. So death is something that they look forward to. Unlike most of us here in what is culturally called the West, where, you know, even with Christianity— we have a pretty cynical view of death or we have a very negative view of death. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen, but I don't think that we should say we should all be negative about it because it's clear that we can actually have a very positive attitude about it and embrace it and believe it and have this very, very beautiful state even when it comes to something as scary as death itself. Because the people in Varanasi are able to practice this state of beauty and peace and happiness 
and the approach in their final days on this earth. So the step one, they say, is decide now to live in a beautiful state every day, no matter what. Easier said than done, of course. It's, it's so much fun to just say these things, right? And just hear some guy over a radio show just tell these things to you. But that's the decision that we want to make. So at the beginning of the day, we decide on a beautiful state. And with that approach, whatever challenges come up, we've got the opportunity to remind ourselves to stay in the beautiful state or get a better beautiful state or switch to a different beautiful state. But not to just be the robot or the slave to suffering and the low energy state. Because that's a choice in and of itself. And where did we learn to make that choice? From other people growing up, from media, from movies, from TV shows that say, hey, if somebody knocks you off your bicycle or steals your candy, you know, you need to cry. You need to be sad. But that isn't necessarily the case. And especially as we grow up and go from little kids to big kids, a.k.a. adults, we know we have a choice. We know we have an opportunity to maintain a beautiful state instead of a reactionary negative state that sometimes isn't even who we are. I mean, if you've ever apologized to somebody and you said that wasn't who I am or I don't know where that came from, that's the perfect example here because that really isn't you. You're not your negative low energy state. You're your optimal state, your beautiful state, your state of high energy and peace and calm, proactivity and giving, that's the person that you really are. So don't unnecessarily beat yourself up just because you've had negative states and negative experiences because the past does not equal the future. The question they ask is, why must you, why will you end suffering as it arises? So this workbook is a lot of fun. And we got to engage with our neighbors on a regular basis. And I got to engage with my coworker, Angelo, and talk about what we were doing through this book. And there's really nothing more that makes a difference than writing your stuff down. Talked about this before, but the people that write their goals down are doing more effective activities by a degree of 20, 25, 30% and more at least. So it's quite significant. But why must you end suffering as it arises? Could it be because you're nipping it in the bud and you're stopping it before it gets out of hand? Could it be because you don't want to go off the chain and hurt somebody that you love again? Is it because you don't recognize this person in the suffering state? I think that's a big one because when I get in certain suffering states, it doesn't feel like I'm myself anymore. It's like I don't even recognize this low energy suffering version of myself. I don't know who that is and I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here at all. What will, why will you live in a beautiful state every day no matter what? What would transform if fear were no longer a part of your life? Is it so you can have the best relationship 
with your significant other, the best family life? Is it so you'll stop?